Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of BBP News. I'm Nicholas Rod. Chris Baker's here with me, and we are back with another Friday morning episode. Chris, start us off in the normal Friday morning fashion by giving us the weather headed into this weekend. In Los Angeles, California, it is partly cloudy, 71, with a partly cloudy weekend. In Houston, Texas, it is sunny, 77, with rain throughout the weekend. In Chicago, nice, it is mostly sunny, 43, and rain throughout the weekend. And in New York City, it is raining, 56, with more rain on Sunday. So, rain, rain, and rain. Rain, rain, and more rain. But, uh, Chris, I I have to bring up something real quick before we get into uh, our little research that we have for this morning. Um, So, just before we started recording, literally just before we turned the microphones on, we were talking about how as soon as we started recording, you know, I'm, I might start to l- lose my ability to English, essentially. <laughs> and going into this intro here, there might have been a slight pause because I forgot what day it was. Yeah, I, I was trying I, to decide between Friday <laughs> and Monday. <laughs> you know, whenever I say the good news intro for you, I always <laughs> say Friday or Monday on the wrong days. Um, because days just have started blending into one of each other. They, they really do. <laughs> um, and, you know, as I was giving you the weather, Nick, in Los Angeles, California, it's actually 70, not 71. So I put a 7 and then a T there. So uh-huh. I would assume that's supposed to mean 71. Yeah. <laughs> And I'm uh, I'm 99 point sh- sure it is because I just put the weather in. But anyways, gotta love it. Take your, so I got a question for you, Nick. Yeah, yeah, hit me with it. Transform yourself back to March 2020. Okay. Now the world's all shut down. Mm-hmm. You're still in school. Yeah. Everything's done remote. So your school schedule, if yours was similar to mine, there was no schedule. Essentially, yeah. So, uh, that's a good I have to, to ask, <laughs> mm-hmm. when was your most productive times of the day? <laughs> um, you assume I had one. <laughs> and, like, I'm not even saying that to be funny. From probably March until probably May, late May, when well, I actually I'm had just to saying transform yourself in. back to March when the world was shut down and you were working from home. At the very beginning, so right when you started getting used to it, and we'll, we'll say May, when you had to start doing stuff again, mm-hmm. when was your most productive time of the day? Um, at that point in time, it was usually mid-morning to early afternoon. And did that change at all through time? Um, so n- these days... I usually have a pretty good productive streak here in the mornings. Uh, most days. So, some days, not so much. So I'd say probably the morning is my most productive time. If I had to go with a close second, though, mm, probably towards the evening, honestly. Okay. Um, how productive are you right before you go to bed? Right before I go to bed. Strangely productive. You would not be alone in that. Yeah. Um, so Microsoft Research, they just put out some new information this week. And as you may or may not know, before the pandemic, 
the most productive times of the day was right when you got to work. So we'll say, you know, the typical nine to five, mm-hmm. right when you got to work, 9 a.m. was your most productive time Yeah. from 9 a.m. to um, the peak of it was at uh, the peak of it was at 11 and then it swooped right down. And then the peak of it was right after lunch until about 3 p.m. And then right from there, your productivity just sunk Fell for the rest of, of the day. Yeah. <laughs> but then when the pandemic started, there was actually a third wave of productivity that was added. And that was right before most people went to bed, which was around 1030. Huh. Nowadays, 1030. That's when yeah. they're saying most people go to bed. So that's what they're saying. Now everybody has three waves of productivity. It used to be right when you got to work right after lunch. And now it's right before you go to bed, too. You know, I totally get this because, again, like I said, like my most productive time is in the morning, you know, when right from 8, 8.30, whatever, to probably 10.30, 11 is where it starts to kind of start to fall a little bit before lunch. Then you get that wave in the afternoon. But yeah, no, evening time just before bed, I am strangely productive. It is very weird. I'm not if it has to do with computer work. Ah, uh, okay. And you've me, you and me have had this conversation off uh, recording off before air. that yeah. if I have to like do painting or anything like that, like I'll do it all throughout the day, obviously. Right. But like around nine o'clock at night, I don't know why, but a light switch switches and I'm just painting again. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, doing any home renovations or anything like that but if it was to sit down and do stuff on the computer no way no way it's going to happen but uh 30 of workers say that they have a triple peak day productivity i think i'd uh i think i'd put myself among that 30 percent. now people do have some issue with this but there are some people say there are benefits to this mm-hmm. and some of the benefits are flexibility people can go to work when they are most productive. Sure. The second, remote work often more asynchronous. Next one, people shifting hours for their childcare needs. And finally, flexibility of work from home to expand the total work that can get done. Mm-hmm. And evidence of more global teams, late night emailing as a check-in with colleagues halfway around the world. Okay. Hmm. So E is where I take a problem. With it. I mm-hmm. can agree with everything that they got because you know what? It's more flexibility. We have learned flexibility is nice in this sure. ever-growing age. But people do have concerns. And I would have to say that I agree with this, that some people are saying it raises the question, is this flexibility or is this about work? encroaching on someone's personal life yeah it almost becomes a work obsession type type thing um that's where i'd echo the concerns yeah same as you like it it starts to blend in too much and this that's actually a uh ever-growing question in the modern time too and i think this just amplifies that is like is work beginning to encroach too much on leisure time Mm mm-hmm and you know what? I'll be completely honest with you. After, I would say 5 p.m., 
sometimes even earlier than that. Mm. I don't check voicemails. I don't check emails. I don't check anything that has to do with school, work, or another. Because mm-hmm. I'm done. I'm off the clock. I'm not being paid. Right. Why should I be, you know, like this person said, one of the benefits is you can check emails with people around the globe before I, you go I to bed. I wouldn't want to do that. No way. I would. No, I'm not doing that. Yeah, and with a lot of companies starting to move away from that, there are even some that uh, don't allow employees to check emails or they don't send out emails until the next morning. Uh, they they won't send them out un- at a certain time. The day before, they'll send them out the next morning. So it's already becoming a practice that's like declining. So, you know... That kind of flexibility, I feel, should be more used towards, like, you know, stuff at the house or hobbies or things like that. Now, do you want to hear something a little shocking? Ooh, I thought like this shocking. was a little a little shocking. Like so shocking. everyone knows what Microsoft Teams is. Yeah. Um, 42% of employees that use Microsoft Teams use it after hours to communicate Ooh. with colleagues. Ooh. And then during the summer months, mm-hmm. it even peaks 30% higher. Oh, okay. So after hours, they're saying before they go to bed that the uptick in teams would be during the sum- summer hours to a grand total of about 70%. Wow. That's too And researchers say they don't know if it's because of childcare responsibilities, job requiring cross-country collaboration, mm-hmm. but the findings bear out a more general trend in our current era of hybrid work. There is no one size that fits all. Some people stick to traditional office hours. Hello, that's me. Others yeah. don't. And where, how, and when they work, people are looking for flexibility. Hmm. Yeah, that's... Uh... That's a tough one. I, I I can't I can't get on board with that one. We like the flexibility. The flexibility is wonderful, but there's there's only so far it should go, in yeah. my opinion. And I don't have the exact number in front of me. I'm trying to find it, but there was a high statistic that they don't get reimbursed from their mm. employer for after hour work. Oh my! Oh. Okay, and here's something else. Employers now expect, in some cases, you to reply to emails on the weekends. Dang, so kind of going against what I was saying before, if some companies kind of cutting off that access, now we have uh, some companies expecting you to to reply on weekends and personal time. So... It says on weekends, 6 p.m. to 11 p.m. is the highest busy time for Microsoft Office's programs. Wow. I don't know about you, Nick, but <laughs> 6 p.m. on a weekend, not me. No, that's not my cup of tea. I, I definitely don't. I, I, ugh, I can't. I can't even comprehend that. Um, it's one thing to work hard, right? Obviously, it's one thing to be dedicated to your job and to work hard for it, right? It's another thing to let it completely sap away your free time and your personal time. And in my opinion, you need that free time for multiple reasons. 
I mean, oh, yeah. burnout is a real thing. Yeah, exactly. And I feel like if employers are expecting email replies after hours on the weekends, that's going to cause burnout. That's going to cause people quitting. <laughs> that's probably why that, that it. some of that might play into the fact that a story we're going to be getting into in a few minutes, but I don't yeah. know. We'll see. Some but... of the statistics was a little shocked. Shocking. Yeah, just from the ones that we talked about here, there's definitely some pieces of that 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 are completely shocking to me. Um, you know, but getting into the news for the week. Yeah, jump. Do you have any right closing in. thoughts for that? No, I I'm still trying to process over here, but we do have a lot of news to talk about. We do have a lot to get into. So start us off. Jump. Let's jump in. So starting out, um, food at the grocery store may be getting more expensive, and it's not only because of the sky-high inflation. It is also because of the war in Ukraine. Russia and Ukraine combined make up more than a third of the world's wheat and barley export. According to the International Grain Council, Ukraine is the global leader in sunflower seed oil in maize, which is like a corn. They are also the world's largest animal feed supplier. Without those products, we can't make bread or meat products. If Russia is removed from the trade relations, then their supply is out of the mix. And Russia is also bombing Ukrainian farmland, so farms aren't working the fields. Even if they could, Ukrainian ports are restricted from the south by Russia. G7 world leaders addressed this very issue at the summit last week, pledging to help Ukrainian farmers plant and harvest product. President Biden also announced that the United States, the third largest producer of meat in Canada, will do what they can to step up production and export. The G7 also pledged to punish any country that is hoarding product from exports, so China has already been accused of this. If this war continues, Middle Eastern, African, and European countries will really take a major hit from all this and will see shortages in mid-June. The White House says the U.S. isn't expecting a food shortage, but with the massive global food shortage and inflation, we have been seeing prices uh, maybe going up. Will Congress authorize more money to combat the COVID-19 pandemic is the real question, and it may be possible as the president wanted Wednesday vaccinations, testing, and treatments may not be available or free for much longer. You probably already know that the FDA authorized under the emergency use authorization a second booster of the vaccine for those over the age of 50, and on Wednesday, President Biden got his live on television. While also discussing the brand new COVID.gov website that is meant to be sort of a clearinghouse for all government-related information. The president also pushed again for Congress to authorize more COVID funding after Congress stripped it out of the 2022 budget. The White House says without more funding, the U.S. will not have enough additional boosters or variant-specific vaccines if needed for all Americans. Beyond that, the government would not be able to reimburse doctors or medical providers for caring for uninsured people that would start in April. The government is no longer able to purchase additional monoclonal antibody treatments and have already started to cut back state allocations about 30% and will ultimately run out by May. 
the government will not be able to purchase any more antivirals and will not be able to sustain the testing capacity we have seen after June. Originally, the president wanted $22 billion allocated to fund these things. Congress negotiated that down to about $15 billion in February, but then the entire thing was scrapped during the government spending debate. Since then, Senate Democrats and Republican leadership have been meeting to try and figure out a way to get this money approved. Republicans say whatever they pass, it needs to be fully paid for. More money for the military and police and more money for several domestic programs and lowering federal deficit by a trillion dollars and establishing a billionaire's tax. All those things are included in President Biden's $5.8 trillion 2023 fiscal year budget proposal. This bill is just a proposal. It doesn't mean it is going to be the final bill. It still needs to be debated and voted on in both chambers of Congress. Some of the key budget items in the proposal include increasing the military budget by $800 million, billions of dollars for fighting crime and climate change through local law enforcement, billions for veteran support, money for affordable housing, and even Pell Grants, to name a few. For those who are always worried about the U.S. debt and deficit, first you need to understand those two things are different but are connected. The U.S. budget deficit accumulates when the federal spending goes above Revenue the government brings in for a particular year to pay for a deficit. The federal government takes on debt. The total debt the government owes is essentially the accumulation of all these deficits over time. Since 2021, the U.S. government has ran a budget deficit. You can see in the year 2020, the deficit skyrocketed under President Trump to more than $3.1 trillion after tax cuts, lots of COVID-related spending, and the country shutting down. The deficit started to reduce under President Biden in 2021 to $2.8 trillion, which is obviously still high. The 2022 budget that just passed is projected to slash that deficit by $1 trillion down to $1.4 trillion. Under this 2023 proposal, it would go down slightly again to $1.2 trillion. The president thinks to make this happen, we need to make big changes to the tax code, including a 20% minimum tax on those with more than $100 million and raising the corporate tax to 28%. Republicans have said the Biden administration's spending over the past year has led to greater economic pain in the form of higher prices through inflation, supply chain issues, low interest rates, and gas prices. Republicans have not yet released their own budget policy agenda. As we have been reporting on for the last few months, since October, 4 million people have been quitting their jobs regularly. But the most recent data came out for February 2022, and another 4.4 million people quit their job. This does not mean they are unemployed. They just got a new job. Also, in the month of February, 6.7 million new hires took place. There are also currently 11.3 million open jobs. The jobs with the most leaves were transportation, trade, leisure, hospitality, and food service.
There has been lots of rumors around the idea that the war in Ukraine is ending, and that would be 100% false, but there was some significant progress this week. The Pentagon reports that a small number of Russian troops are moving out of areas near Kiev and Treneva, which is slightly north of Kiev. The Russian ministry claims it plans to dramatically lower the military activity in those areas. Instead, they are repositioning an eastern part of the Ukraine. The Russians are quickly to ensure that this is not a ceasefire. The Pentagon says Russia has failed in its mission, but they also say Kiev is not out of the woods yet. Now we know the Russians say one thing and do another, they can always change their mind. The president and NATO leaders are very skeptical about the announcement because Russia has been known to lie. There was also a lot of talk between Russian and Ukrainian negotiators. The negotiators are saying they are getting closer to a Putin and Zelensky summit. Ukraine conceded a few things this week, including giving up on its bid to join NATO, remain non-nuclear, wouldn't host foreign military bases if it was given security guarantees by Turkey, the US, or NATO, Russia has not publicly laid out its demands or its concessions yet. Sanctions or suspensions, that is what Will Smith could be facing after slapping Chris Rock on stage at the Oscars on Sunday night. The Academy of Motion Pictures and Arts and Science held an emergency meeting Wednesday to discuss the incident. After the meeting, the board released a statement condemning Smith's actions, saying he violated the Academy's standard of conduct. The Academy also said Will Smith refused to leave the ceremony after the incident when approached by Academy personnel. Smith went on to win the Oscar for Best Actor that very same night. Will Smith has 15 days to issue a written response to his violation accusation, and on April 18th, the Academy will hold another meeting where the Board of Governors will decide his punishment. Getting into rapid news, Americans applying for a U.S. passport will be able to identify with the gender designation X beginning on April 11th. With interest rates now at 4.8%, today's homebuyers may have to pay an extra $300 on a 30-year mortgage. U.S. Senator Collins said she will vote for Supreme Court nominee Ketanji Brown-Jackson being the first Republicans saying she will vote for her confirmation. Nick, what do you got for Friday morning good news? All right, for my good news story, we are talking about, you know, kind of some of the more positive things going on when it comes to the Ukraine situation. And this one takes place in Denmark. So a lot of refugees from Ukraine are going to Denmark and are staying there temporarily. And a media company in Denmark was inspired to create a children's book uh, to to just kind of make it easier for Ukrainian refugees to adjust and to understand a little bit more about the country. And not only that, but they actually wrote it to try and kind of explain how the two cultures and countries were alike to, again, you know, just kind of give that home, that homely feeling, that kind of just comfortable feeling for these refugees or as comfortable as it could possibly get. And... So they drew up the book, they wrote it all out, and they actually were able to get in contact with the Ukrainian refugee who agreed to help translate it. 
and they distributed 20,000 copies. Now, these 20,000 copies sold out so fast that they started creating another 20,000 because orders were still coming in beyond that. And soon after, they were hit with 100,000 orders for these books. So these are being distributed very quickly. They're continuing to print them out and send them around so that these refugees can just feel a little more comfortable with everything they've gone through and and with their situation right now. That's an excellent good news story. Um, 100,000 copies sold, and the 20,000 sold out really fast. Wow, that's that's a really good news story. It's just nice to see, you know, even these media companies and these different groups trying to make things as easy as possible even like obviously you can't make it easier for easy for these people because they've been forced to flee they've been forced to leave their homes but taking these kinds of steps and just doing everything you can to at least take some of the stress and some of the fear off um that's huge well nick believe it or not that you're not done with good news are you You'll be back here tomorrow morning with the monthly good news stories. Um, I'm very looking forward to that. I will be here for this one. I, you know, two months in a row for me. That's a lot. But I will have I will have my Pepsi and I will be ready for the good news stories. So make sure you follow us on BBP News' Twitter account for the latest 24-hour breaking news so you are always in the know. And come back tomorrow morning for next good news Saturday and Sunday morning for a week ahead schedule and of course monday for a news episode but until then have a great rest of your week everybody bye guys